lovely Wednesday, 6-9, dude. Yeah, good to be back with Ari Castle, producer of Tony Katz Today online, TonyCats.com. On the Twitter, at Tony Katz. Tony's not here. I am. Nation of Jake on the Twitter. If you want to holler at me, that's probably the best way to do it. Ari Castle's here to keep things on the rails. How's it been since I last took the control here, Ari Castle? Uh, Not as chaotic. Not as chaotic. Whenever I get in, it's Ari's job just to keep it on the rails. Because we know it can go off the track at any time. So you got a big job today, Ari. Uh, You know what to expect. We'll have some fun. We'll talk about uh, news, politics. If anything breaks, Ari Castle will keep me abreast of the situation. And so, again, it's good to be here on this Wednesday, June 9th on Tony Katz today. Uh, Let's start at the top. I mean, we got plenty to get to today. I mean, we got a big, shocking study from ProPublica on taxes and ultra-rich people not paying their fair share, and it's perfectly legal. That is a don't-hate-the-player-hate-the-game situation if I ever heard it. We'll also talk about Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones is coming back for a fifth film, and now he has been... He, he, Indiana Jones, the fictional character, is being accused of, of having been a pedophile. But I guess if you're a pedophile once, you're a pedophile forever. I don't think that's something that you can undo if you're ever engaged in pedophilia. We'll, <laughs> we won't get too deep into that. Just some of the accusations going around about Indiana Jones. And we've also uh, got a, a, a short story about the Jeep I almost bought. So tons going on here on Tony Cassidy with Nation of Jake. But we've got to take it to the top. We've got to start where we start. And that is with President Joe Biden. Joe Biden today is on his way to Europe for his first overseas trip. All right, he's going to jump on a charter flight from D.C., Dulles Airport, to the U.K. He's probably in the air now. But here's the interesting note. Joe Biden's flight was delayed seven hours, not due to mechanical problems, not due to, say, a pilot wasn't in the right place or a pilot didn't get enough sleep. You know how all the all the reasons you get for a flight being delayed. Oh, you know, the. The, the airway wasn't working. The jetway wasn't working. Uh, the tarmac. Somebody you know, spilled some oil out of the tarmac. Whatever it is. This was because of cicadas. That's right. Cicadas. Joe Biden having to swat cicadas away. I'm not even so sure like exactly what happened with the cicadas. But there was a cicada delay of seven hours on Joe Biden's flight to Europe. They were flying. They were... These are the the Brood X cicadas. There's an emergence of the loud 17-year insects. And look, if you're not familiar with cicadas, they come out like, you know, once every 15, 17 years. They've got a big festival in Nashville, the Cicada Festival. They're everywhere. They molt. They leave their shells everywhere. I used to think they were the same thing as locusts. And they're, they're very much like locusts. But if I was getting on a flight and there was a big swarm of cicadas... So severe that it delayed the flight seven hours, I take that as a bad sign. Because in keeping with the idea of locusts, wasn't that one of the plagues in Revelation? It was like uh, rivers with blood, and it was raining frogs. Yes, my people, and then there were my locusts. people sent the locusts. Yeah, the locusts. And I think cicadas is a reasonable facsimile for locusts. So I probably wouldn't get on that plane. I'd say, no, we're going to go tomorrow. Just let the cicadas have the airways today, and tomorrow I'll get on the plane. 
So Joe Biden swatting cicadas away is is there on the tarmac and he's talking to reporters. Yeah, we're going to go over to Europe and we're going to reinforce our relationships with our allies. All right, so uh, he's going over to Europe. He's going to go to the UK. I'm sure he'll go to Belgium. Sure, he'll visit our friends in France. He's just doing the China tour. Maybe the, the Trump apology tour is what you could probably call this. It won't be so much apologizing to the world on behalf of America for, uh, say, our values of individual liberty and the things that we're known for, for, for good stuff. It's kind of a rebranding campaign. Biden departed Joint Base Andrews in Maryland Wednesday morning. He's set to arrive in the UK by Wednesday night local time. His first order of business will be a bilateral meeting with British Prime Minister Boris Johnson before joining G7 leaders for the group's summit over the weekend. So uh, NATO G7. Uh, Biden is also expected to meet with Queen Elizabeth II at Windsor Castle. Now, I wonder if he brings up the new baby, the new royal baby. Is it a royal baby? I don't know. Meghan Markle and Prince Harry had a new baby, a little girl, and didn't they renounce their association with the royal family? Is that baby in line for the throne? Can Hey, Ari, can you research? You know, every time there's a royal baby that is born, they always put like the infographic, the org chart on how many people, how many family members that baby would have to murder in order to assume the throne. I would like to get my hands on that org chart if we could dig that up, just as a side. But well, you're keeping it back on the rails, though. We've got Joe Biden's flight attacked by cicadas. He's going to go over. He's going to do a lot of, hey, we're still your friends. You know, I know that that Trump put us all in a really bad position, you know, with with having unleashed the coronavirus on the world uh, single handedly. He destroyed everything. He's really big buddies with with Russia and he damaged everything and he broke everything. But but I'm here to fix it because I'm Joe Biden. I am I am capable and I'm just all reliable Joe. That's that's basically going to be his message in Europe while they're touring around the the Trump apology tour headlined by Joe Biden. But Joe Biden is kind of getting his thunder stolen. And this isn't like in a good way, but all eyes are on Kamala Harris for, for whatever reason. I believe that she went on uh, NBC News with Lester Holt. And usually when the VP or a Democrat VP or president goes in for an interview, they're they're just looking for the softballs. They're not looking to be challenged. Why would why would the mainstream media, why would NBC News challenge a Democrat president? I've pointed out on this program, Tony Katz today here with Nation of Jake many times that being a Democrat president or vice president, easiest job in the world. The the media will just let you get away with saying whatever you want. They just kind of tee you up and let you say whatever you want. But Lester Holt from NBC News, he threw a curveball, not a softball, a curveball. Actually, it was a high, hard one. A little chin music to Kamala Harris, who it's been 77 days since she was named the border czar, and she has not yet visited the border. People have been pointing this out, keeping a, a running counter. How many days has Kamala Harris been the border czar, and how many days has it been since she visited the border? Well, they're the same number, 77 days. So she's been put in charge of the border and she hasn't been there. But listen to this. When she is asked about the criticism of not having yet visited the border by Lester Holt on NBC News. Do you have any plans 
to visit the border? I, at some point, you know, I, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So you, this whole, this whole, this whole thing about the border. We've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I, mean, I don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. I'm not discounting the importance. Okay, did you just hear that? We, we've been to the border. We're going to the border. We've been to the border. She said it over and over again. We've been to the border. Like, we've been to the border. And then Lester Holt, he has no choice but to point out, well, no, you haven't been to the border. And then she gives you the, I haven't been to Europe either, and the, and the uncomfortable laugh, which is we've become more familiar with as, as we hear Kamala Harris more. What is she saying there? Well, we've been to the border. Like, and, and she just expected Lester Holt just not to challenge her. And what he did is she just kind of crumbled. Well, I haven't been to Europe either. You weren't named the czar of Europe or European relations. You, Kamala Harris, were delegated the responsibility of fixing the crisis at the border. You've been everywhere but. She has been to Mexico City, where she was, I don't know, was there like a security breach? Ari, did you see this? Like this uh, reporter got up, I claimed to be a reporter. I uh, punked the staff and tricked, tricked them into letting her in. Yeah, yeah, who's, who's on that secret service? Some somebody was uh, uh, posing as a reporter and, and we've got the audio. We'll we'll drag that up here uh, as soon as we can. She just like started saying, oh, I love you, Kamala Harris. I voted for you. Oh, what are you going to do for for people of color and immigrants? And so it was, it was like, hold on. Who is this person? She claimed to be somebody she wasn't. That is a huge security breach. I mean, that is like you know, George Bush getting a, a shoe thrown at him. Security breach that level. So I, I don't know what they're doing with the Secret Service. Uh, but, th- but there's a bigger story here that's kind of brewing with Kamala Harris is she goes to Guatemala and, you know, not, not going to the border, but going to Guatemala. And this is her message to would-be migrants coming from Guatemala. And I want to emphasize that the goal of our work is to help Guatemalans find hope at home. At the same time, I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. The United States will continue to enforce our laws and secure our border. How would you know you haven't been to the border? And aren't you the same person who raised your hand during one of the first Democrat debates when asked, would you give health care, government funded health care to illegal immigrants? Yes. Uh, Weren't you in favor of no travel bans, no walls? Didn't you want to decriminalize coming over the border illegally? All those things. It's funny when you get into the situation and you're responsible for the situation, how you change your tune. We saw this with President Barack Obama. He campaigned on closing Gitmo. Then he gets in, he figures, oh, this is very hard. And honestly, Gitmo's not that bad. In fact, I want to keep it open. Uh, You you see this now uh, with the border. Now that Kamala Harris is in charge of the border, she's the border czar, she wants nothing to do with the border crisis. If she goes there and she is photographed alongside the border with the kids in the cages and their uh, tinfoil blankets... She is going to be linked to it. I mean, she already is. She doesn't want to be photographed there until it somehow gets fixed. And then she wants to take credit. But she doesn't want to be associated. She wants nothing to do with it. And now she's telling people, hey, don't come to the border. You know, I know that when I was 
running for president. I was all about giving you the magnet to come here with free health care, and we're going to decriminalize coming over the border. Now that it's on me, I don't want you coming to the border. That is... That's going to ruffle some feathers. It already has within her own party. The AOCs and the like are, are critical of her approach here. I just figure, hey, at least, at least go to the border. And I don't mean go to on the border for margaritas. And I, I'm guessing she's done that way more, way more. You know, we talk about Joe Biden. We talk about Kamala Harris as if they have any power. They've got as much power as a president and VP are going to have. But the man in Washington, D.C., with all the power is neither president nor vice president. He's not from the most populous state. In fact, he's from a very tiny state, but he is the most popular man, most powerful man, I should say, in D.C. And we'll talk all about him coming up next right here on Tony Katz Today. Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, tiny little West Virginia, is the most powerful man in Washington, D.C. He must feel like Adam, Prince of Eternia. You know, as soon as... Yeah, you know, Adam, Prince of Eternia. You know. The day he held aloft his magic sword and said, by the power of Skull, I have the power... Did he just do that? Did he have a magic sword and said, ah, you know what? I'm just going to hold this aloft one day and it will reveal to me fabulous secret powers. So he becomes He-Man, the most powerful man in Washington, D.C. Why? Well, Joe Manchin's like akin to a swing vote. He's a Democrat, but West Virginia is not exactly a blue state. He's like an old school blue dog Democrat, a guy who will... It's kind of in the middle on stuff. He could be a, a, a moderate Republican. And I wouldn't be surprised if at some point he is pushed to switch sides. Because I'm telling you, if, if he went along with uh, packing the court or eliminating the filibuster, his days in the Senate would be over. I don't think the voters in West Virginia would take too kindly to, to that that sort of left swing by Senator Joe Manchin. He he has got everybody just really confused on the Democrat side of things. You know, he has said over and over, I am not going to dismantle the filibuster rule for for any for, for for the for any legislation, whether it's this voting rights legislation, whether it's for packing the court, whether it's for any of the the far left progressive uh uh agendas. He's just not going to do it. So we have from the Hill, uh, Senate Democrats have been left confused and befuddled by Senator Joe Manchin. They say they're trying to figure out what their West Virginia colleague is thinking with his most recent moves in bucking his party. Well, it's very simple. Here's what he's thinking. If I go along with this insane garbage, I'm going to get voted out of office when I'm up for reelection in 2024. That's what he's thinking. It's not difficult. It's always about re-election. All right? 2024 is not that far away. And if you are the deciding vote in things like eliminating the filibuster and giving a slim majority, it's 50-50. It would be Kamala Harris, Miss On the Border Margaritas, would be casting the deciding vote. 
and it would be the slimmest of margins, and the damage would be irreparable except when it swings back. We've seen it swing back, and he knows it too. Joe, Joe Manchin, you could say, look, he's self-interested, and he's just worried about being reelected in a, a red West Virginia. You could say that. Or you could say that maybe he's wise. Maybe he actually sees the damage done when Harry Reid, as Senate Majority Leader, eliminated the rules with the nuclear option on, on appointments. And then that backfired because that just gave Mitch McConnell license to do this with uh, Supreme Court justices. And so it, it, when you break down these rules and eliminate the rules, you're getting away with what the founders intended. You want that process to be adversarial. You want the two sides to come up with a compromise. And so when you when you eliminate all those rules, you eliminate any kind of incentive to compromise and to work with the other side. Joe Manchin may know that. That's John Kasich, a former Republican presidential candidate and governor of Ohio. Uh, he he tips his cap to Joe Manchin. You know, he's not as cynical as I am. I think Joe Manchin just sees that if he goes along with this stuff, he'll get voted out of office when his his term is up. Uh, John Kasich thinks that Joe Manchin is a courageous man, he writes in the Wall Street Journal. He has strong views and hails from a state that values independence, that being West Virginia. Recently, he chose not to support the For the People Act. He also stood up for preserving the Senate filibuster. In both cases, he opposed his party's leaders, according to John Kasich. Setting aside the pros or cons of his positions, the vitriol unleashed against him by his fellow Democrats is condemnable. Heaven forbid someone in American politics actually does what he thinks is right. So, depending on who you ask, whether it's me, he's self-interested, he wants to get reelected, doing these things, breaking these norms is not going to help him get reelected, or is he standing up for what's right? Either way, he's in the spotlight. He's going to have to take some heat from his own party or from the voters come 2024. So forget about Biden. Forget about Harris for a second. Joe Manchin is the most powerful man in D.C. in the country right now. How's that make you feel? Guy from West Virginia. All right, coming up, taxes. I've got a don't hate the player, hate the game situation coming at you from ProPublica, ProPublica, with Nation of Jake on Tony Katz Today. Bombshell. Secret IRS files. A trove of never-before-seen records reveal how the wealthiest avoid income tax. That is the latest bombshell from ProPublica. All right. All right. How did they get the IRS files? I believe those are classified. How would you like it if somebody got a hold of your IRS records? They're not They're not for public consumption, now, nobody cares about your IRS records. Nobody cares about Nation of Jake's IRS records. The IRS can't even give me my refund. As we are here on June 9th, on Tony Katz today, I filed my taxes in March. I don't have my refund yet. They owe me $400. And I was supposed to pay my TurboTax people out of that return. Now, the TurboTax people are saying, hey, we need our money. 
I'm like, well, I told you I'd pay it out of my re- my refund. And they're like, well, you haven't gotten your refund yet. I'm like, I know. That sounds like a problem. You Maybe you should not give that option if you don't trust the IRS to give the refunds out on time. Well, now they're going to shake me down and deduct it from my bank account. And then, hey, you're on your own. They're all your friends. TurboTax is your friend until they don't get paid. That's right. They are for profit. That said, uh, the IRS uh, does things. I can't imagine they are efficient. Uh, I can't imagine that they are nonpartisan. I'm almost certain the folks at the IRS want bigger budgets. They want more power to go and audit and to take money and then also uh, not work efficiently. Hey, they want they want smoke breaks, coffee breaks, all the union stuff. That said, there are some, I guess, malcontents within the IRS. I'm almost certain most people who work at the IRS are malcontent. They were, they were like that before they got to the IRS. That's why they work at the IRS. They have leaked these files on some of the wealthiest Americans. Now, when they say wealthiest Americans, you know, you think, oh, part of the 1%. You have to think about what the 1% is. The 1% are people who make like 300 grand and up. All right, there is a world of difference between a small business owner who makes 300 grand a year working himself to the bone, working him or herself into an early grave to make that $300,000 a year. People work very hard and make three, $400,000 a year. A world of difference between them and the ultra-rich. The just, I, I can't even give it a percentage. It's so small. It's infinitesimally small. We're talking about the Elon Musks, the Jeff Bezoses, the multi-billionaires. These people are not just rich. They're also famous. So they become targets by the IRS. I mean, hey, how, how uh, saucy is the, the headline? You know, Elon Musk, Tesla, SpaceX paid zero income taxes. Oh, Jeff Bezos, who started Amazon, one of the wealthiest men in the world. You know, he's jet setting you know, he's got a divorce and he's he's hooking up with with hot ladies. He's going to space. This guy didn't pay taxes. Doesn't seem fair. Well, this is bombshell report. It doesn't even uncover any legal impropriety. Everything that is outlined here is completely legal, which you should say, hold on a second. Why am I hating on guys like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and Warren Buffett and all Bloomberg, Mike Bloomberg, when they they're just taking advantage of the tax code? It's a don't hate the player, hate the game situation. And, and but, but people get really incensed to think that a guy who makes billions of dollars doesn't pay any taxes. Yes, that will get you riled up. That'll get you angry. And you'll say, oh, you know what? Raise taxes. But when you say raise taxes, you're just raising taxes on the people who who actually pay them. The people who can't afford the lawyers, who can't afford to take uh, who don't even don't even have the inclination to take advantage of these loopholes. Don't have teams of tax attorneys to do it for them. Cannot pay tax attorneys. People use TurboTax. You know, pay $230. And then agree to have it taken from their refund. And then the refund doesn't come and you get shaken down for 230 bucks. Ruins your bank account. If you're, if you're even balancing it these days. Well, this bombshell, it starts 
in 2007, Jeff Bezos, then a multi-billionaire and now the world's richest man, did not pay a penny in federal income taxes. He achieved the feat again in 2011. In 2018, Tesla founder Elon Musk, the second richest person in the world, also paid no federal income taxes. Mike Bloomberg managed to do the same thing in recent years. Billionaire investor Carl Icahn did it twice. George Soros paid no federal income tax three years in a row. ProPublica has attained a vast trove of internal revenue service data, IRS data, on tax returns of thousands of the nation's wealthiest people covering more than 15 years. The data provides an unprecedented look inside the financial lives of America's titans, including Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Rupert Murdoch, and Mark Zuckerberg. It shows not just their income and taxes, but also their investments, stock trades, gambling winnings, and even the results of audits. Now, these folks are private citizens like most of us. Just because they're rich, just because they're famous, doesn't mean it's right for somebody at the IRS to leak this information, because it could be you. Taken together, it demolishes the cornerstone myth of the American tax system, that everyone pays their fair share and the richest Americans pay the most. The IRS records show that the wealthiest can perfectly legally pay income taxes that are only a tiny fraction of the hundreds of millions, if not billions, their fortunes grow each year. Many Americans live paycheck to paycheck, amassing little wealth and paying the federal government percentage of an income that arises if they earn more. In recent years, the median average American household earned $70,000 annually and paid 14% in federal income taxes. The highest income tax rate, 37%, kicked in this year for couples on earnings above $628,300. Now, those folks earning over six they're paying 37% on that money. And then in the tax brackets, as you go down to the lowest, they're, they're paying the progressive tax rate. Now, that couple making six thirty, that's that's a good living. It's a great living. But it is, it's peanuts compared to Elon Musk. Using the extreme examples like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and Warren Buffett, it, it really doesn't paint the picture of, say, the problem with you know, these guys not paying their quote-unquote fair share because they still pay billions of dollars. Billions. According to Forbes, the 25 richest Americans saw their worth rise a collective $401 billion from 2014 to 2018. They paid a total of $13.6 billion in federal income taxes. Now, $13.6 billion is more income taxes than... Most people, I think, collectively would would pay in their lifetimes. Like, if you took all the folks, $13.6 billion is so much money. It's it's a staggering sum, as pointed out in this, this bombshell report. But they're doing this legally. So, what they're doing is they're putting the, the focus on these guys with this information But what we need is a a tax overhaul. But the tax code is so massive and so convoluted, and it is made for teams of attorneys to go through and take advantage of the loopholes. And what they do is they just add to it every year. They need to wipe it it out, simplify it, do what all these guys have been talking about. Whether it's a fair tax like John Linder wrote about, or a flat tax 
like Teve Torbs always talked about. You know, this mythical unicorn of being able just to pay a flat fee and fill out your taxes on a postcard, cut a check, and send it in. We have a lot of problems with the tax code. And I, and I can't even fathom the level to where it gets when you're Elon Musk, you're Jeff Bezos, you're Warren Buffett. When you get that deep in the tax code and you're able to skirt personal income tax, and by the way, these guys... They pay a lot of state, local taxes. Their businesses pay federal taxes. They pay payroll taxes. They, they pay a lot in taxes. Does it their personal bottom line, the way that it's all accounted for? And that's when you see that, oh my God, he paid no income tax. And even if he did, it was only like 3 or 4%. Well, 3 or 4% of Elon Musk's fortune is a lot of money. The problem is twofold. Not only is the tax code uh, a mess, thousands of pages long, it's esoteric, it's full of jargon. You literally need a team of tax attorneys to navigate it for you. And that's a that's a cost that a lot of people are just like, no, I, I can't afford that. But when you're talking about the kind of money these guys can save, they can they hide their money, they invest their money, they'll operate at a loss so they can write off you know future earnings. So I, I talk about it like I know, like I can even uh, comprehend, you know, really what's going on. Most Americans cannot. But it's the same tax code that governs all of us. All of us. Why isn't it simpler? It should be. Whether it's that fair tax, which is just a consumption tax, no income tax, a consumption tax. Instead of, instead of de-incentivizing, uh, going out and earning you, you de-incentivize consuming, or however you want to flip that around. You, you tax people on what they consume, and then that will incentivize conservation. We have it exactly backwards. Or if you're going to tax income, it just needs to be a flat deal. Just here you go. How much did you make? Show us the documents. You owe this percent. You do the math. Send us the check. That, that's, that's the problem, is that it's just too, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. But all these guys, you know, they say, oh, perfectly legal. And then we just shrug our shoulders and go, okay, we'll just raise the taxes. They're still going to be able to take advantage of the loopholes. You got to get rid of all the loopholes. It shouldn't be this complicated. But instead, instead of just saying that, they just say, oh, look at these evil rich guys. These evil rich guys, they don't pay their taxes. They don't pay their fair share. They still pay the lion's share of taxes. Even if it's just 3.2%, 5% of their income, they're still paying a lot. Warren Buffett had that famous essay where he says he pays uh, fewer taxes than does his secretary as a, as a uh, percentage of his income. Well, yeah, I mean, he makes most of his income on capital gains, not his income anymore. It's, it's not, he's not going and filling out the uh, old W-4 and then getting his W-2 back at the end of the year. That, that money is, is taxed at a, a lower rate, and that's how he makes that money. And again, he can, he can afford to, to pay the tax attorneys to get him out of that. It's just a, it's just a cost-benefit analysis. How much will you, will you save me, tax attorney? Okay, you're hired. You save me more than I would pay in taxes? Boom. That's it. And so I look at this. It doesn't make me mad. I don't go around. Li- if you live your life looking at super rich people, and how much they pay in taxes 
as a some sort of barometer or some sort of like cause and effect relationship about how poorly you're doing, then you you, you got to be terrible to be around. Really, focus on your own stuff. Uh, but that said, I mean, because the tax code governs us all the same way, I think it should be blown out. Get mad at the politicians who refuse to change the tax code. Instead, they just want to bump the numbers up, and then they'll they'll issue waivers. Same loopholes are there. They'll have the backroom deal with with the Bill Gateses and the Tim Cooks, and they'll say, "Hey, look, you know, we're going to raise this tax, but we're going to leave the loopholes in, so you're not really going to have to pay it. Just give us your money because they still need that money in campaign donations." They still want to stay in power. The elites are all in it together. So this shouldn't shock you. This shouldn't be a bombshell. This has been the way for as long as I've been alive. So just get out of here with it. If you say, oh, he didn't pay, uh, he paid zero in taxes. And people say stuff like, oh, you need to tax all the rich people. It's like they're already being taxed, but not with this tax code. You're not going to get what you want done. It's the tax code. It's don't hate the player, hate the game. This goes a little bit deeper. We'll get into more on that. I do want to share with you, though, I had, have you ever had like a moment of brutal self-awareness where you just had to come to terms with something that you were just not good at? And that doesn't happen to me often because I'm good at so many things, but I had that moment and it involves Jeeps. That's right. Jeeps, multiple Jeeps have come into my life and they have wrecked my self-confidence and they have provided that brutal moment of self-awareness. We'll get into that with Nation of Jake here on Tony Katz Today. Nation of Jake in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz today at Nation of Jake on the Twitter. I recently came down with a case of Jeep fever. I went down to the Gulf Coast last week and it was Jeep the Coast Week and there were like hundreds of Jeeps. All right. And, and I'm not like into like newer four door mom Jeeps. I like the old ones, I like the CJs, civilian Jeep five and seven, CJ five, CJ seven. I went to go check out some Jeeps. And look, I'm kind of cheap. I want a cheap Jeep. I'm finding out there's no such thing unless you want a rust bucket. I do not. I just want a Jeep I can bang around town in, right? So I'm looking for a $3,500 Jeep, CJ5 or a CJ7. Well, any CJ5 or 7 that's worth driving, worth buying, it costs more like six, seven, eight grand. So my wife has been encouraging this, this Jeep fever. And so I went to go look at a couple of Jeeps and I almost bought them. I almost did. One was 8,500 CJ7. Had a 350 in it. That thing was powerful. A little too much Jeep for my level. All right. Then I checked out a CJ5. This was a 1976 CJ5. Beautiful Jeep. I wanted it so bad. $8,000. And the guy said he'd make a deal for $8,000, but he needed to sleep on it. And so I slept on it too. And it was in the middle of the night when I started tossing and turning thinking, man, if I ride around, and a 76 CJ5, and it breaks down, I don't know how to fix it. And when you drive around in a 1976 CJ5, 
that's all tricked out with your big tires and your roll cage and your fog lights and your winch, and you can't fix it? You are a poser. So, it was for that reason I decided not to buy that Jeep. That's right. My own insecurity about my upbringing and not being able to wrench on a Jeep. You can't do it. You can't take a 1976 CJ5 to a Valvoline instant oil change. They will laugh. They will snicker. They will judge. So I got scared out of buying a Jeep by my own insecurity. More on the Jeeps and the Jeep Week and Jeep Fever in a little bit on Tony Katz today. But we got a COVID-19 vaccination update. Light at the end of the tunnel of this pandemic. That's next on Tony Katz Today. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz Today. The half-vaccinated nation of Jake in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz today. That's right. I scheduled my first shot of the Pfizer biotech vaccine. And then I was told I had to go out of town to go down to the Jeep Week on the Gulf Coast. And so I had to cancel my, my second vaccination. I'm not sure if, like, if you wait too long or it has to be a certain... You know, distance between. I know it has to be at least like two or three weeks. But if I wait, I don't know how effective my vaccine is going to be. So, you know, going down to the coast for Jeep week was, I don't know, I hope it wasn't detrimental to my vaccination status. Because right now, that's the whole deal. Got to get vaccinated. We got to stamp out this pandemic all we can here on Tony Katz today. Now, there's a lot of good, good signs here we've you know we've been living in this pandemic world and it'll change the way things the way we do things going forward you know I, I don't know that i'll ever set foot into a radio studio unless i have to i mean i'm all set up to go remote from my personal studio and, and, and speak to the uh, fine audience along the tony Katz radio network i i am i'm free to do these kind of things ari castle not so lucky. You are a master control man. You are in the radio station. Did, did you ever have to go home and quarantine? Did they ever shut it all down for you, Ari? Are you a warrior? I'm an essential worker. Essential worker. I love it. Your presence is necessary to make this whole thing go. That is Ari Castle, the Chewbacca to my Han Solo, here on Tony Cassidy with a nation of Jake in for Tony. Now, look, things are getting back to normal. It's good. It's good that things are getting back to normal. We got this vaccine. It is shown effective. I mean, there have been some complications with it. There was the blood clot thing with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Some people have had adverse reactions to vaccines, but that's true really of any vaccine, isn't it? And this one was developed very fast, is approved for emergency use. I mean, it hasn't even been approved fully by the FDA for that reason, but it's been approved for emergency use in this situation. And I think that it's it's probably the number one reason we were able to do things now. Go out without a mask if you were fully vaccinated. Summer movies are making a comeback. Everybody's talking about Ghostbusters coming up, Black Widow, uh, the Marvel film, which will be on Disney Plus and in theaters. And a lot of people are talking about Indiana Jones 5, which doesn't come out until like 2022. That said, life seems to be getting back to normal. Now, this is bad news for those people who have turned wear a mask into their personality. Seriously, 
a lot of people are going to have to find new personalities now that masks aren't required everywhere. Because honestly, wear a mask guy, that's not going to cut it anymore. You can't just be a wear the mask guy. A lot of wear a mask guys and ladies have turned into get vaccinated people. It's amazing what people will turn into a personality, an entire persona. Like everything they post on social media, everything they tweet is always about wear a mask or get vaccinated. It's like, do you have any other interests other than telling people what to do? But no, encouraging signs. You've got seven hopeful signs the U.S. is moving past the worst of the pandemic. I mean, I should hope so. Cases are dropping. Hospitalizations are down. New deaths have decreased drastically as more Americans get vaccinated. Uh, The bad news is most Americans still haven't been fully vaccinated. I think it's kind of odd the political stance people are taking on the vaccine. You know, you have a lot of people who are Republicans, who are Trump supporters, who just don't like to be told what to do. And maybe they don't trust this vaccine. But Donald Trump was the guy who had a a large part in making this possible with Operation Warp Speed. And I can't help but think, and I've pointed out before, that if Donald Trump were president, he would be hailing the vaccine as his success, which he, he already is, even if he's not president. But still, those who support Trump, a lot of them, a huge overlap in the Venn diagram of those folks who won't get this vaccine. If the tables were turned and Donald Trump was president, it would be Democrats who wouldn't get the vaccine. So it's all become politicized. Masks have become politicized. There are people who are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, who no longer, according to the CDC, have to wear masks in public, yet they still want to carry their masks with them on their wrists to show they're not Republicans. That's actually the sentiment out there. There are people who are like, oh, man, I was wearing a mask guy for so long. And now if I go out without a mask, even though I'm fully vaccinated and Dr. Fauci says it's OK. People might people might. Oh, my God. People might confuse me for a Trump supporter. That's right. Wearing a mask has kind of been the litmus test on whether or not you are a Trump supporter or, or being anti-Trump. That's that's where we are. And I know there was the whole thing with. Dr. Fauci's emails that came out. Um, honestly, the most damning thing about those emails, I mean, I don't think it was smoking gun stuff. He, he said in the emails that masks that you buy over the counter uh, wouldn't be that effective in preventing the, the transmission of COVID-19. He said that on TV. He said that in front of God and everybody. So I don't see why it being in an email around the same time was some sort of smoking gun, some big deal. Now, it was a bad look that Dr. Fauci is involved in that Wuhan lab where they were doing gain-of-function testing, and he claimed they were not doing gain-of-function testing. That's the biggest uh, problem with those emails, is that's a bad look because everybody treated the, the lab leak theory as some sort of conspiracy. And they said, no, this is more likely animal to human. Uh, People eating bats are getting it from bats, which I thought was debunked long ago. The bat eating stuff, the bat soup stuff, which I think largely it was it was just a harebrained kind of explanation. But you don't get a lot of of animal to human transmission of these kind of diseases. Uh, What's more likely 
is it got out of a lab when they were engineering coronaviruses, which a coronavirus or many of them, like the common cold, maybe they were doing some testing with bats. Maybe they were trying to, to recreate Batman like it was Spider-Man and get some sort of sonar thing going. Maybe that was it. I doubt it. Uh, that said, the fact that Dr. Fauci was involved at all in any of that kind of testing and then him being the messenger, it's a clear conflict of interest. And But people want to say, oh, there's, there's leaked emails. They weren't leaked. They were released through a, a Freedom of Information Act request. Uh, but, but, but all that aside, you, you've got all this controversy around COVID-19. Um, we, we forget, though, over the summer is when really, truly the pandemic was over, largely viewed as over. And that was even before uh, the surge in the fall. For me, personally, Nation of Jake here on Tony Katz today, I consider the pandemic over when the mainstream media, journalists, adults, some politicians, condoned and all but endorsed mass protesting while still advocating for lockdowns. You know, that that to me was like, listen, coronavirus is done. It's over. If you are going to allow or condone or endorse, people go out by the thousands and protests and yell and scream, in some cases riot or get in other people's faces, congregate in massive groups or go to funerals for people they don't know in some sort of show of protest, then, listen, pandemic's over. Unless you think that coronavirus will make a conscious choice not to infect you if you're protesting in the name of social justice. It was over then. When you tell people they can't go to work, or you tell people they can't mourn their loved ones in a private funeral or a private gathering, but it's okay for massive throngs of people to take to the streets and yell and scream and spit in each other's directions, shoulder to shoulder, nuts to butts, so to speak, you you can't be taken seriously. It undermines the dire consequences that you are trying to communicate. You can't do both. Either you're for lockdowns or you're not. Regardless there were like uh, what nurses signing on the letters saying, you know what, we we don't suggest people uh, go out. We want people to stay in, but racism is also a pandemic. So we condone people going out. Or when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died and thousands of people went out to the Supreme Court and stood shoulder to shoulder and screamed, or they went to a funeral for George Floyd. Or whoever else. Yet, you know, a guy in Fort Wayne can't have a funeral for his dad. Can't go. And they're saying things like, oh, you can't get together for Christmas this year. Can't get together for Thanksgiving. I'll wear a mask. And then you look on TV and you've got people who are who are uh, firebombing car dealerships in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Or Milwaukee, Wisconsin or wherever else in the world. So that to me that really undermined the whole deal. So so any people still talking about coronavirus and all oh, the light at the end of the tunnel 
It's just kind of whisper on a scream at this point, isn't it? You know, I know, listen, I believe in vaccines. I'm all about it. I got vaccinated. I got to get my second shot, as I told you. I mean, I'm not going to not get vaccinated. Listen, I, I think the it's fascinating the way they, they came about with this messenger RNA. I don't think that I'm being injected with any disease. I don't feel like I'm in danger. But that, that's, that's me, personally. But I'm not going to tell people what to do. I would encourage them, sure. But now you got all this stuff, people trying to incentivize and even penalize you if you're not. My college, where I went to school, I graduated in 2001, Rhodes College in Memphis, Tennessee. They are charging students who were unvaccinated an extra $1,500 to return to in-person learning on campus. $1,500 to cover, I guess, the cost of mandatory testing on campus if you go to Rhodes College. If you go to Rhodes College, the tuition there is already $60,000 a year. A year. So they need an extra $1,500 to bring you back. Look, either either let them in or don't let them back on campus. Charging somebody an extra $1,500 when they're already paying thousands upon thousands of dollars, and you got a huge endowment, you raise money like crazy, and again, 60 grand a year to go there. A year. You've got to be an idiot to go to that college in the year 2021. 2001? It was about a third of that. If and I didn't pay that. I got a scholarship. I wouldn't have. It's, a, it's, it's not a good investment. But then they're going to say, oh, by the way, I would pull my kid out of that college so fast. I'd say, no, kid, you're going to Memphis State. That's where you're going. Oh, God. So, yeah, I I think that we see the light at the end of the tunnel with coronavirus. I think it has a lot to do with the vaccine. I encourage people to get vaccinated. But if you don't, okay, don't. don't, I'm not going to make you. I'm not in favor of of making people do stuff. Incentivizing, sure. Penalizing, hmm, I don't like penalize. I incentivize. So get vaccinated or not, I don't care. But, yes, I mean, I think that, you know, when you're you got to find a new personality, wear a mask guy. And you're getting there with the vaccination guy. Just get into other stuff. Let's talk about how good life could be with another Indiana Jones film. That's right. Uh, There's been photos from the set of Indiana Jones 5. Uh, The title is not out there. I don't know what it's going to be called, what it's going to be about. But let's talk real quick about Harrison Ford will be 80 years old when it comes out. He's walking around looking like he did in Temple of Doom. And now people are saying Indiana Jones, the character... Is a pedophile? What the hell's going on with Indy? We'll get to the bottom of it with Nation of Jake on Tony Katz today. Kalima, Kalima, Shakti Day. Kalima, Kalima. One of the most memorable moments in a film would be Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. God rips a guy's heart right out and then sends him down to a lava pit. Be exploded, the heart, still beating heart in Mola Ram's hand, burst into flames. And I watched that movie not long ago with my kids. Uh, Nation of Jake in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz today. And you know what? They, it, I thought they'd be terrified, but they were like, whoa, that was crazy. I had to keep reminding them that it was just a movie. It was just a movie. But that was like 
a movie where kids went out to see it in like 1984 when it came out. It was like, what? What? That's why I think that's why they came out with PG-13. I think that was the film. Pretty intense. As are Indiana Jones films. They're supposed to be. And, and lately, we've got Indiana Jones walking around for the fifth movie. I didn't know they were going to do a fifth movie, especially after that fourth one was such a turd. All right. The K- Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was so terrible. It's kind of a stain on the legacy of Indiana Jones. But Indy's back. At 79 years old, Harrison Ford is taking up the mantle, the bullwhip once again with his fedora. Same outfit for like 50 years. Is it, you know, I can relate to that because I wear the same clothes as I did when I was in, in college 20 years ago. Uh, but, but so there have been some set photos from Indiana Jones 5, the as of yet untitled uh, upcoming Indiana Jones film. And it always triggers, you know, the debate over Indiana Jones, how it is held up over time. Cue the think pieces of why Indy is problematic. You know, you got Indiana Jones, the famed adventurer and archaeologist. He says stuff like, it belongs in a museum, which is very noble, I thought. You know, not grave robbers taking the cross of Coronado. It belongs in a museum. But now that's a symbol of cultural appropriation, uh, taking ancient relics from their rightful owners to be put on display for upper class whites. That's right. When Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom film, second in the series, frees slave children from the thuggy cult in the bowels of Pancott Palace. That, I thought that was great. You know, they, they said, bring the children back. You fell from the sky to get our Shankara stones back and, and free the children. He does what the, the prophet said he would do. And now he's a white savior by today's standards. That is white savior complex. Indy. And of course, he straight up murders a guy in broad daylight for putting on an elaborate sword show. He was threatening him. He was coming right at me with a sword. I was tired. I shot him dead, walked off. That's how it was back in the day, I guess. I don't know. Uh, a lot of people point to the short round character in Temple of Doom, say that's racist because yeah, you got a caricature of a young Chinese boy orphan who uh, was manner of speech. But man, all day long, that's how that actor, that kid who played uh, Data in the Goonies in short round, that's how he talks. He was cast that character of if... If Temple of Doom is racist, then Goonies is racist. I will die on that hill. Well, this latest think piece is that uh, Indiana Jones, the character, was a pedophile. Yeah, because there's a throwaway line in in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark when he's in the bar with Marion Ravenwood, who I guess he had some sort of romantic relationship. And I think she mentioned she was like 16 or something. I was a child. You knew what you were getting into. You know, that, that exchange... Now he's got people arguing about whether or not Indiana Jones was was grooming a young girl for sex. Which I'm like, hold on a second. If that movie took place in 1935 or thereabouts, and let's say Marion Ravenwood in that bar scene was 30 years old, and so that was like, what, 1920? It wasn't uncommon for a 16-year-old to get married or to have a relationship with a man 10 years older. Was it appropriate? Maybe not. But that's the problem when you view you know, 1920s life through a 2020 lens 100 years ago. And it was fake. Made up the movie. Get over it. I'm looking forward to Indy 5. I hope it didn't suck like the last one. Coming up. Oh, my God. The latest flag controversy. New York Times editorial board member. Dog in the American flag. That's next with Nation of Jake on Tony Katz today. 
You know, I haven't traveled abroad much. I've been to the Bahamas and I've been to Canada. So I'm not really a worldly man. I've just been, I've been to North America and some islands. I mostly keep it in the States. Uh, Nation of Jake in for Tony Katz here on Tony Katz today. I don't know if it's uh, an American thing, but we seem to be collectively obsessed with flags in this country. I mean, overall, look, I don't think there's really a lot of harm in it, but we do a lot of arguing and self-identification with flags. And I'm not talking about necessarily the American flag yet, but we, we argue about who kneels for flags, who stands for flags, uh, who is photographed in front of flags, whether it's uh, what flags are allowed to be sold on the Amazon.com or the Walmart.com. We, we just get really obsessed with flags, whether it's the Confederate flag or any flag that incorporates the battle flag of Virginia, which people always say is the Confederate flag. It's, it's the rebel flag. The, the Confederate flag is, is different. That's the stars and bars. It's not the conventional Dukes of Hazard rebel flag that you associate with uh, the Confederate flag. That, that's, that's neither here nor there. But see, just even that, even that aside, we just are really into flags, Gadsden flags, gay pride flags, Trump flags. Yeah. Uh, some some guys got kicked out of Fenway Park the other day at a Red Sox game, and this keeps happening in Major League Baseball. Somebody will, uh, I guess, sneak in, they'll smuggle in a, a a non-sanctioned flag into the ballpark, and they'll unfurl it on the outfield wall. Uh, and this one said, Trump won. <laughs> and he got kicked out of Fenway Park up in Boston. But we, we as as Americans... We seem to be obsessed with flags. I think that they just modified the uh, pride flag. It was just a rainbow. Now they got all kinds of other colors and shapes to incorporate everybody. It's it's really an odd thing. And I I just wonder in other countries, do people get as obsessive about flags? And every once in a while, you know, somebody will make a comment about flags. And whether it be any of the flags, the aforementioned flags, but but I, I'm not I'm not considering uh, any of those flags in the same league as uh, the stars and stripes. Okay, the American flag should be a symbol that unites us. We should honor it. Look, if you want to protest, that is your right. I'm not going to uh, try to get somebody fired or or I'm not I'm not going to uh, get upset. If somebody doesn't stand for the flag, I myself will. Because people fought and died for the principles of individual liberty and freedom uh, fighting under that flag. And I, I think it's right to honor it. But I'm not going to flip out if, if somebody doesn't want to stand up. Just like somebody doesn't want to get vaccinated. Do what you want to do. I may, I may have opinions of you. I may, I may think one way about you. I might form my opinion based on how you treat the flag. Sure. Uh, but it should be a symbol that unites us. Uh, but y- y- when you, when you look at people and how they view the American flag, like how they, how they, I guess, infer you know, certain things from the American flag and it being displayed. Uh, it says way more about that person than it does the flag. 
I mean, I think generally people have a national pride. You know, the, the extreme measures of the jingoism. But, but now people, especially on the left, the progressives, they're saying the American flag and people who display the American flag are doing so because they want the American flag to symbolize whiteness. Yeah, that's right. They're, they're just uh, going to link up. Um, and it's just, seriously, it is a, it is a small skip of a stone over to white supremacy in equating the American flag with white supremacy. All right. It's just because you do see a lot of American flags flown alongside Trump flags. You know, people who are on the right side, who are Republicans, and that includes a lot of Trump supporters, they are they are probably more likely to display a giant American flag on the back of their Jeep when they're driving up and down the coast. I saw hundreds of them. Trump flag, American flag. So people are taking that association and saying, well, I mean, that's obviously, if they support Trump, they're a white supremacist, and they fly that American flag, so they're associating the American flag with, with white supremacy. You should not. That's, that's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. But there are some people, in the media especially, uh, New York Times columnist, Mara, Mara Gay, she became this person on Twitter, the person everybody's yelling at on Twitter. And then I think that she's got to take some heat for this. She, she absolutely does. Um, she was, at best, inartful with her words. Uh, at worst, she just hates the American flag. Uh, take a listen to Mara Gay on MSNBC. We have to figure out how to get every American a place at the table in this democracy, but how to separate Americanness, America, from whiteness. Until we can confront that and talk about that, this is really going to continue. I was on Long Island this weekend uh, visiting a really dear friend, and I was really disturbed. I saw, you know, dozens and dozens of pickup trucks with, uh, you know, uh, explicatives against Joe Biden what? Uh, on the back of them, yep. uh, Trump yep. flags, and in some cases just dozens of American flags, <gasps> which, you know, uh, is also just disturbing because essentially the message was clear. It was, this is my country. This is All right, my country. listen. She was disturbed. I mean, also just dozens of American flags, which is just disturbing, right? Because the message is, this is my land, not your land. So hold on a second. So people who find themselves on the right side of the aisle, who, who don't like Joe Biden, who like President Trump, they are uh, white supremacists, according to Mara Gay, and because they fly these American flags, that too is a symbol of of white supremacy. And I was just disturbed by by the American flag being flown. Well, you have people who don't agree with you expressing themselves. That's that's what's disturbing you. I mean, the fact that people who may not see the world the way you see it. They are free to go out and fly whatever flag they want on their on their truck. Listen, I, I was in see Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, just outside of Gulfport all week. And there's a guy, and I've seen him there before. He drives a truck around. He just drives it up and down the street. He cruises the coast with a giant flag that says, Biden, not my president. He parks his truck. He sits there. He wants to be seen. It's his right to do it. I think it's kind of weird. I think it's kind of odd 
to fly that big Biden, not my president sign or flag and drive it up and down and, and burn tanks of gas just to be seen. I think it's odd. I would not do that. I would probably not hang out with that guy. Not because of his political views, but just somebody who, I don't know, is that attention starved? You know, wants to go out and do it. However, it's not, it's not hurting anyone. It's not hurting anybody. She says all the head explicatives about Joe Biden. Uh, this, this person who was a columnist for the New York Times, she meant to say expletives. Explicative is not the word you want, uh, Miss Gay. You want expletives about Joe Biden, but but don't don't indict the American flag because many of those people who disgust you and disturb you, who are driving their trucks with their Trump flags and with their American flags, a, a lot of those guys are the same guys who are going out and fighting for that for that flag. A lot of veterans support Trump. A lot of guys in the armed forces. So just be, be careful with the associations you draw. And so she got raked over the coals, did Mara Gay of New York Times. The New York Times gave a half-hearted, oh, she was taken out of context. No, no, I, th- I thought she gave great detail and, and great context. Talking about, oh, I saw all these uh, just, just American flags and it was disturbing. There was nothing taken out of context. You heard the whole exchange or really everything you needed to hear. She didn't go back. And she didn't clarify that the American flag itself isn't a symbol of of hate or white supremacy. That was her whole point, is that, well, in our democracy, everybody has to have a place at the table. Well, first of all, we're not a democracy. We're a republic. And if you want to say that's splitting hairs, then you don't know what you're talking about. Because democracy and republic are two very different things. Everybody does have a place at the table, including the people you don't like who like to fly American flags on their trucks. And I guarantee you, Mara Gay, if you went down to Jeep Week on the coast with me and my family, they would ask you if you wanted a beer, you want some crawfish, have you eaten, you got a place to stay. Uh, They're some of the nicest people you would ever meet, and they wouldn't judge you uh, based on what flag you flew. They they might, they might. I mean, it depends on what flag it was. I mean, come on. There would be judgment, but there wouldn't be hatred. They'd be like, oh, they want to engage in a little bit of a debate, maybe back and forth. No, nobody would hurt you. Uh, but, but again, Mara Gay has been in the news before. She's been that person on Twitter before. Okay, this is, this is a New York Times columnist and editorial board member, I believe. She, she's the one who, who went on MSNBC some time ago with some really terrible math. If you recall this clip. Beating this guy, he could do it. Absolutely. Um, Somebody tweeted recently that um, actually with the money he spent, he could have given every American a million dollars. got it. Let's put it up on the screen. When I read it uh, tonight on social media, it kind of all became clear. Bloomberg spent 500 million on ads. U.S. population, 327 million. Uh, Don't tell us if you're ahead of us on the math. He could have given each American one million dollars and have had lunch money left over. It's an incredible way of putting it. It's an incredible way of putting it. It's true. It's disturbing. It does. It does. No, no, no. It's not an incredible way of putting it. It's an actually uh, mathematically incorrect way of putting it. I mean, if you if you go back the uh, the tweet that she came, she was booked on MSNBC to talk about 
money in the election with Mike Bloomberg spending a bunch of money on political ads. And, and she, she goes on as a grown human being who had time to think of this, was being interviewed by Brian Williams, who, I mean, we, we know Brian Williams isn't all for the truth. Uh, the tweet was, Bloomberg spent $500 million on ads. The U.S. population is $327 million. He could have given each American $1 million and still had money left over. That is untrue. The math is he could have given every American $1 and still had money left over. That, that was it. Like these were two grown adult human beings. There were producers around. There were all kinds of of eyeballs on this. And not one of them was like, oh, that doesn't work out. That's not so listen, we're not dealing with Mensa members here. You know, they're they shoot their mouths off about you know whatever the you know the the outrage du jour is, and now it's come to the American flag. Mark my words. This keeps up. You will be unable, and we've seen it. We've seen it in schools. You know, kids wearing American flag shirts, and they had to turn them inside out. Uh, the the American flag will be the same as the Confederate flag if this all keeps up. You won't be able to fly it. You won't be able to buy it. They'll probably change it. They'll probably add a bunch of stuff to it, like you know, you know, rainbows and and, and triangles, and make it all inclusive. Uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of goofy, but these are these are grown adult humans who were like in charge at major newspapers and the mainstream media. And so Mara Gay, sorry, you became that person on Twitter. Uh, People just need to be a little less, I guess, obsessive about the whole flag bit. Stand for it. Kneel for it. People are going to judge you. It may affect your employment status. Uh, Just, I don't know. Are they are they this obsessed with flags in other countries? Maybe we'll ask Joe Biden. Maybe we'll get get back from Europe and say, hey, man, what what's the flag situation over in Europe? Are they as into it as we are? People love their flags. Good God. Um, I had the chance uh, at my children's request to try this plant-based meat. And, and this is something they've, they've been on YouTube. And I've, I've had to teach a lot of lessons about what you come across on YouTube. My kids' YouTube surfing led to me eating plant-based meat. And I'll give you the Beyond Meat review and how I prepared that. That's coming up next with Nation of Jake on Tony Katz today. So my kids watching YouTube led me directly to eating plant-based meat, which is something I was never interested in. <clears throat> I mean, there's a lot of propaganda surrounding plant-based meat. You know, they want to tell you, make you a better athlete. You know, athletes who have plant-based diets, vegan diets, are stronger and faster and better than, than guys who eat meat. Maybe in some sports, I don't know, some aspects of performance... I don't know, I'm not quite buying it, but my kids watch YouTube. There's a guy named Mark Rober, really smart guy, engineer guy. He, he builds those glitter bombs for porch pirates, if you've seen those videos. This guy worked for Apple. He worked for NASA. Well, he had a, a video about plant-based meat. And he says, I love eating meat, but I'm going to try these burgers. And so he ate like some possible burgers or beyond burgers. And uh, the whole time I'm like, oh, no, my kids are watching this. They're going to want to try it. And so we did. I picked up some ground plant-based meat and I figured, okay, what can I, what can I mix with this? 
uh, it's got a bold flavor that maybe I won't have to really taste the meat part. And so I, I got some manwich, made some sloppy joes. And to be honest, look, if somebody served it to me and said, hey, here's a sloppy joe, eat it, I'd probably just eat it and go, hey, that's a sloppy joe that it tastes like it was served up in a high school cafeteria. Like, not the best sloppy joe I had, but you know what? Filled me up and it was fine. And it didn't kill me. It didn't have any adverse effects on my my constitution here. So I'm I'm okay. I'm okay with it. Eventually, I'm not I'm not on board with replacing meat with this stuff. Maybe mix it in. I don't know. Maybe if it gets more cost effective, that'd be great. They're saying the whole reason that we need to move past meat is because the cows fart and burp all the methane. And it just uh, zaps all our resources, and it's bad for the environment. It's an inefficient way to get protein and calories. It's a middleman. Like, uh, meat is a middleman between the sun and us, where we get our energy from. Uh, That said, I'm just going to go back to the old adage. This was said to me a long time ago, or I read it, an ancient proverb. If God didn't want us to eat animals, he wouldn't have made them out of meat. And boy, they are tasty. So I give the Beyond Meat a 6 of 10. If you're curious, check it out. I hear the burgers are the way to go, though, for consistency and a reasonable facsimile and analog to meat. All right, coming up, Joe Biden gone to Europe and Kamala Harris making headlines not at the border. It's coming up next on Tony Katz Today. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I just remember my Charlemagne. Let my armies be the rocks and the trees and the cicadas in the sky. Welcome back to it. Tony Katz today. Nation of Jake in for Tony. Yeah, quoting a little bit of Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade there. It is fitting, of course... Henry Jones Sr. didn't talk about cicadas. Birds are more of a threat to aircraft than are bugs. But not this year. No, no. President Joe Biden about to board his flight, I guess late last night, to Europe for his first foreign trip as president. uh, was delayed seven hours due to cicadas, which I, I guess are like locusts. Maybe, are they one and the same? I don't know. Growing up, I would always find like those locusts. Every so often, I remember, I find those uh, molted, molten, not molten, molten locusts sound so dangerous, like lava spitting locusts. Now, you'd find their, their shells on trees. You pick them up and you put them on your brother's shirt and you say, oh my God, look, a locust, and you freak out. Cicadas will do that. They'll shed their skin. They come out every 17 years. They got a big cicada festival in Nashville. It's kind of a big deal. These are the Brood X cicadas, which sound especially threatening. They got into the engine of the charter flight that Joe Biden was to board to take from Dulles Airport over to Europe. A White House aide said that the Brood X cicadas had flown in the engine causing mechanical problems. Are the Brood X cicadas, like, do they have vibranium exoskeletons? You, you seem like if they had bugs in your, in your engine, you just crank that baby on. Just chop up those bugs, spit them right out the back, right? Burn them up. 
Maybe I, I've never smelled burning cicadas or or molten locusts, so I wouldn't know. Uh, so that is how the the trip starts for Joe Biden. I'm sure he is he is on his way now to Europe, where he'll be meeting with with our allies. He'll be meeting in the UK with Boris Johnson. He will meet with the Queen. He will head to a summit, the G7 summit over the weekend. I'm sure he'll make some trips to Belgium. Maybe get over to Amsterdam. Who knows? What he's going to be doing is assuring our allies in Europe that, hey, we're all going to be nice now. That's right. Now we're all going to be nice. You know, as far as our NATO allies, it's cool. Hey, we got a Democrat in office. We're going to foot the bill for everything. Uh, we are not going to uh, uh, tell any any European countries over there, the EU, or our, our friends in the uh, in Great Britain to you know, pull their weight no, we're not going to hold anybody accountable. We're just going to we're just going to fund it because we got unlimited supplies of money. We're just going to print more money and pay for everything. We got you, Europe. We're all good. He's going to have a lot of tough talk about China and Russia. I believe there was a piece of bipartisan legislation that was just passed. By the way, bipartisan legislation in 2021 it just means they spent a lot of money. That's what it means. Either they spent a lot of money, or they have found. More ways to take your money. Taking more of your money is the most bipartisan issue of our time. But no, they're, they're going to talk about uh, infrastructure, which now is a blanket term to mean anything. Joe Biden will go over and talk about, oh, we need a better infrastructure to uh, protect against uh, ransomware. And he has no idea what he's talking about. He doesn't know how ransomware works. He doesn't know any of this stuff where cryptocurrency. Joe Biden has no idea about any of this stuff firsthand, but he's going to go over to Europe and just tell everybody in Europe, hey, everything's cool. Uncle Joe's here. Bring me your children so I can sniff them. That's that's his message over the next week or so. Imagine, imagine being in, in this world. We've got, you know, coronavirus, still a factor, uh, COVID-19 uh, abroad. I mean, they're talking about a lot of variants out there and they're hitting other countries a lot harder than they are right now for us, which is, which is fortunate for us, unfortunate for them. Uh, one thing that's out there is the Indian variant, and they're calling this the Indian variant, and I don't know how they get away with it. If you can't call it a Chinese virus, how can you call something an Indian variant or a South African variant or whatever the other variant is? What is it about the variants that makes it okay to tag them as specific to a country but not the Chinese virus? Do, do one or the other. Or you can't do both. Uh, that said, Joe Biden is on his foreign trip. Uh, meanwhile, back home, uh, not only is Kamala Harris getting a lot of attention, and we'll talk about Kamala Harris and her um, failure to appear at the border uh, some 77 days after being uh, declared the border czar. Uh, Hunter, Hunter Biden is in a little bit of trouble. Uh, there are newly uncovered text messages from Hunter Biden. And an example of the Biden family's history of white privilege and derogatory attitude toward African-Americans. Uh, this is according to New York Post columnist Miranda Devine. Uh, in damning texts reported by the London Daily Mail, Hunter Biden, age 51, routinely messaged his $845 per hour attorney, George Mazirez, references to the N-word. Mm. Now, look. We'll get into what the text messages said and how Hunter Biden is its pretty gross. Like he's if if the movie Billy Madison was like 
a real dark. If you if you took Billy Madison and the movie Permanent Midnight, if you've ever seen Permanent Midnight about the guy who uh, created and wrote Alf, like a really dark, dark movie. If you combine those two films, it's like you would have Hunter Biden. He's like bizarro, dark Billy Madison. Yeah, just a man child. He's 51 years old. First of all, can can what a 51-year-old man like Hunter Biden, whatever he does, is it fair to blame Joe Biden for that? Is it is it a reflection of Joe Biden? Maybe. You know, your your children, you can't fake good kids. Uh, but uh, but sometimes, you know, good parents, uh, maybe maybe it's because Joe Biden wasn't around a whole lot for Hunter because he was in Washington all the time. He's been in Washington for 50 years. Hunter Biden's 51. So maybe dad wasn't around a whole lot to, to give him the guidance. Um, and Hunter is he's a he's a mess, a dumpster fire of a mess. Like, you know, you, you, get, you get photos of him. You've got questionable uh, relationships with he and and some. Some girls who are quite a bit uh, uh, younger, uh, the laptop thing, you know, the the business dealings with Ukraine, the energy company stuff. Uh, it's a uh, it's pretty gross. But that but that said, I mean, he's 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 not president. Hunter Biden is not the president. I mean, it's it's salacious tabloid type stuff. Uh, I'm not above talking about it. Maybe there is something to Joe Biden's attitudes towards the African-American community when he famously told Charlemagne the God on that radio show, uh, The Breakfast Club up in New York, that, uh, you know, if you if you don't vote for me, then you ain't black. You know, that that kind of a flippant attitude towards black people is probably not appreciated, not appreciated by a lot of, of people, white and black. It's kind of a gross thing to say. Just a very dismissive kind of... Uh, I don't know, just a just a boneheaded thing to say, but underneath it's it's even more insidious. It's not just Joe being a bonehead; it just reflects his attitude. Going, yeah, listen, if you don't vote for me, then you ain't part of this monolith, this voting block. I shouldn't have to work for your vote. I shouldn't have to prove anything. If you if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Maybe it's those kind of attitudes that lead to uh, Hunter Biden, you know, being so casual and cavalier about throwing around the N word. With his lawyer, by the way, his lawyer is a white guy. This isn't like, you know, he's having fun with a guy. He's got some sort of, which doesn't exist, the, the N-word pass, so to speak. Some of these text messages. Here we go. How much money do I owe you? Because N-word, you better not be charging me Hennessy rates. Hunter said in one exchange. That's racist. In another conversation, Hunter made a joke about his genitals <laughs> before closing with, I only love you because you're black. True debt, N-word. And by the way, his lawyer, who costs $845 an hour, is a white guy. Uh, this is called by Miranda Devine of the New York Post. Another example of Biden privilege and white privilege. And uh, he, she told uh, Sean Hannity that if the messages were written by Donald Trump Jr. or Eric Trump, they would not receive such light coverage as they have just far. Yeah, again, this came out in the Daily Mail. And you're not going to see a lot of this stuff on CNN.com. You're not going to see a lot of this stuff on NBC.com. You're going to see it on you know, FoxNews.com, Daily Wire, more of the conservative outlets. Because, again, it's, it's tabloid kind of stuff. Hunter Biden holds no elective office. 
He's just the the dope president, uh, son of a president. You know, and we've had other you know embarrassing family members of presidents. Remember Billy Carter and old Billy Beer thing. Uh, Ronald Reagan, who was one of the greatest presidents of all time, he had uh, Democrats voting for him in mass. One of the most popular presidents of all time. Uh, he's he's an icon of the right. He's got a couple of uh, leftist goon kids. Patty Reagan and Ronald Reagan Jr. They were they they were goofballs. I mean, they they didn't. I don't remember them doing anything uh, insane. Of course, I was a child at the time. Um, not not like uh, dark you know drug stuff like Hunter, but they weren't. They were kind of embarrassments to the family in a way. Uh, but nobody. I don't think that they were a reflection of of Ronald Reagan. Uh, that said, there's enough to criticize Biden on uh, without you know bringing Hunter into it. Although you know it makes for it makes for good headlines. It makes for um, you know good online debates and arguing and division. And that's that's really what it all runs on the algorithm. That's what it all runs on. Something hey something that's uh, salacious. Some headlines. Give me some headlines. Oh, oh, Hunter Biden, son of the president, uses the N word. He shouldn't have done it. And, and maybe there is more to it than I'm, I'm saying. Maybe it does reflect directly on Joe Biden and how he raised his family. I think it's probably more about eh, Hunter Biden. He, he just likes to be flippant and goofy and frivolous. And he thinks he's funny and he's not. And now he's, he's the president's son. But that's just kind of what you, uh, you sign up for, especially when you are willing. And I'm almost certain... Uh, if not 100% certain that he he's used his father and his name to advance his career and to enrich himself. So you do that kind of stuff, you're fair game. And you're a grown man. You're not a child. You're not, you're not like Barron Trump. And let's say, hey, if Barron Trump, who got attacked by the media, if he's fair game, a 51-year-old man, he can be fair game, especially when he uses his family name to get ahead. And he's going to send text messages that are uh, that are racist. So uh, it's, it's, it's fair game. I just don't know how relevant it is to, to Joe Biden. It's, it's a, it might be stretching a little bit to say Joe Biden's a racist because his son's an idiot. Joe Biden, you can make the case, is, is racist or has outdated views on race because of things Joe Biden has said. <laughs> but they all get a pass. The whole laptop thing. When Twitter banned the whole laptop, the Hunter Biden laptop story, Twitter said, no, New York Post, you can't post that. They took it down because it was in advance of the election. It could hurt Joe Biden's chances of being president. And then whenever Joe Biden says something racist or even, you know, creepy sniffing girls and stuff like that, it just gets throttled. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's again, easy job being a Democrat president. A little less easy, apparently, being the vice president, uh, Kamala Harris uh, now, having her feet held to the fire over this border situation, she refuses to go to the border. She'll go everywhere but that southern border, even though she's the border czar. She got into it with Lester Holt of NBC News, not a Fox News reporter, not a not an ambush, but a, a set-up, agreed-upon interview with Lester Holt, of all people, there was some serious pushback by Kamala Harris, but Lester Holt didn't back down. I was impressed. We'll take a listen to that and talk about Kamala Harris border czar with Nation of Jake coming up here on Tony Katz Today. 
President Joe Biden attacked by cicadas, delayed on his way to Europe. He will be meeting with G7 summit leaders and NATO allies over there across the pond. Meanwhile, uh, back home, a little bit of uh, rocky roads for VP Kamala Harris. Now, she's been put in charge of the southern border crisis. You've still got hundreds of thousands of migrants uh, trying to come over, being detained, kids in cages. They're wrapped up like baked potatoes in foil. You know, it's a, it's an ugly scene. It's uh, really a result of of just kicking the can down the road with regards to immigration law for a long time. It's not Kamala Harris's fault, but she wants no part of it. She has been delegated the responsibility to handle the crisis at the border, and for 77 days, she has not gone to the border. And very few people have really held her feet to the fire about this, and she was not expecting to, to be pressed about it by Lester Holt of NBC News. Do you have any plans to visit the border? I, at some point, you know, I, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So you, this whole this whole this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I, I don't I don't understand the point that you're making. The, I'm not, po- the point is. Vice president is that you were not appointed the czar of Europe. You were appointed the border czar. Maybe you should go down there and get a handle on the situation. Get proximate to the problem, as they say. It's really important. I mean, her not going, like her going down there and being photographed on the border and then later, oh, look, the border crisis, she was put in charge of it and she didn't handle it. And there's photo evidence you know, drawing an association. The only thing worse is not going because you were just saying, no, I'm not going down there. And people will remember that you never went. How can you have been the border czar? How can you solve that problem without getting close to the problem and experiencing it? You know, how, how can you even get your head around it? Well, I guess she thinks that she can, you know, do the, uh, how this head this off at the pass. Let's go to Mexico. So she goes to Mexico. And she she talks about the border in Mexico. She talks about immigration. She went to Guatemala. And and here's what she told people in in Guatemala with regards to uh, coming over to the U.S. And I want to emphasize that the goal of our work is to help Guatemalans find hope at home. At the same time, I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do, do not do not come. Do not come. Don't, don't, don't come to the border. Don't come. It used to be, oh yeah, no, no borders, no walls, no, no travel bans. Uh, we'll give you free health care. We will incentivize coming over. Now that she's in charge, no, don't come. Don't come. We got a border crisis. I can't be seen there. She she actually went to Mexico as well. And she she says that Mexico's refusal to take back some migrant families that were turned away from the US was not even discussed in her meetings with Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. She she went there for a 2-day trip in the region, you know, Mexico City, Guatemala City. 
And they didn't even address the fact that Mexico was refusing to take people back and leaving them in this, this weird limbo. That's why you got the kids in cages. And she's going to talk to the people about maybe alleviating that problem on the border. And they don't even discuss the fact that Mexico won't even take responsibility for their own citizens breaking the law by, by crossing over. It's it's unbelievably oh, bad. And she, she shouldn't be in charge of anything. All right, coming up. Oh, more from Fauci. You know, depending on who you talk to, this pandemic is is all but over. I mean, listen, I'm not going to declare it over. That's for the professionals to do, not Nation of Jake on Tony Katz today. It just doesn't happen that way. Like, I, I can't, as one man, as, as sharp as I am, can't declare the pandemic over, but there are encouraging signs. Hell, CDC says you don't have to wear a mask if you're fully vaccinated. And that was... That was after they said, if, even if you're vaccinated, still wear a mask unless you are outside and only around your family. And then they're like, wait, that doesn't really give us much incentive. So you got to change the messaging. So a lot of times what the CDC says is not really based on science. It's based on, hey, what kind of messaging do we need to improve the situation? You could call it political you could you could say it's uh self-serving you could you could say a lot of things about it but i just don't think you can go from the governor of texas is a neanderthal and people are going to die cuz he revokes a mask mandate one week and then 3 weeks later go to oh hey take off your mask if you're fully vaccinated you're good to go i mean if if that was based on science science doesn't change that quickly what does change is the response, is the messaging, is the politics. And that's pretty much what happened. No, we had this vaccine. It was announced uh, just a week after the election in November that Pfizer had a vaccine, and a day later, Moderna has a vaccine. And then some weeks later, Johnson & Johnson has a vaccine. In other places, AstraZeneca's got a vaccine. So the vaccine has been out for like Seven months, been been accessible to people since January, December, January. Everybody right now in the United States, I believe over the age of 12, is eligible to get the vaccine. They've got plenty right now. In fact, I think Donald Trump is the one who said, by April, everybody is going to have access to this vaccine. And the New York Times, Washington Post, they say Donald Trump claims without evidence that the vaccine will be widely available by April. And they were skeptical because Donald Trump said it. But then we get to April. Everybody's going to be able to get the vaccine. So there have been things that are based in fact and reality. Other things that are based in politics and political messaging. All right. It just depends on who you talk to. It it really does. I mean, again, in this pandemic, it really has changed the way we do a lot of things. You know, people think twice about going out into big crowds. And I still think people need to be cautious about those things. People who are unvaccinated or for whatever reason can't get the vaccine because maybe they have an autoimmune, uh, some sort of condition. 
that prevents them from getting vaccinated until they find out more about it, or people who are more susceptible to the symptoms of COVID and are more uh, at risk, maybe they should think twice, three times about going into a crowd, say, without a mask or a vaccination. But we've, we've gotten so, there have been so many different uh, methods, different guidelines that have been thrown out there in a very short time. You, you got to wonder, is this, is this truly based in science or is it, is it mostly based in, in politics? And that's what I think people are kind of sick of. Uh, you know, Dr. Fauci, like him or not, believe him or not, uh, he's a scientist. He's a, a infectious disease expert by trade, but he has also been a, a government guy, a bureaucrat for a long time as well. Uh, so he takes offense. He takes exception uh, to anybody attacking him, uh, even though he has been. Look, it's unfair to think that there's going to be one guy, any guy, who is going to be the forefront uh, expert on COVID-19. It's, uh, it's new. It's new. Anybody who I think you know, claims to be a COVID expert is full of it. You can be a immunologist, uh, infectious disease expert, all those things, but you don't know everything about COVID-19 because it's new. Still, you know, here we are just uh, just over a year after this thing was, was unleashed on the world. Uh, that said, Dr. Fauci became the forefront of it, he came, became the face, the face. Whatever Fauci says, he, he kind of become came, became like a an icon. You know, there's a <laughs> stupid action figure. People got to stop making action figures out of politicians, bobbleheads. You know, I believe in Fauci. People calling the vaccination the Fauci ouchie want to punch every one of you. He had nothing to do with developing that vaccine. They call it the Fauci ouchie, right? Well, this guy, he's he's kind of getting angry. They're, they're the they're the emails that were released. That implicate him in working with that lab where Wuhan virus could have been released. Uh, he's been getting attacked a lot over that. Uh, he's been wishy-washy on masks. Well, well, he tells Chuck Todd over at MSNBC, hey, any attack on me is an attack on science. Now you're at the focal point. What is your level of concern that we're going to discredit public health officials to the point of, you know, look at Russia. They actually have a good vaccine, and none of their citizens will take it because they don't trust their own government. Right. Oh, first of all, what a what a goofy question. Of course, they don't trust their own government. Vlad Putin runs the place. People get thrown in jail in Russia for being gay. They get thrown in jail in Russia for speaking out against the government. They write songs that are critical of the Russian government. They get thrown in jail. You, you, of course, people don't trust the government of Russia. Of course they don't, Chuck Todd. Uh, Go on, Dr. Fauci. It's very dangerous, Chuck, because a lot of what you're seeing as attacks on me, quite frankly, are attacks on science. Because all of the things that I have spoken about consistently from the very beginning have been fundamentally based on science. Sometimes those things were inconvenient truths for people and there was pushback against me. So if you are trying to, you know, get at me as a public health official and a scientist, you're really attacking not only Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science. And anybody that looks at what's going on clearly sees that. You have to be asleep not to see that. If you're attacking me, you're attacking science because I am science. Science! 
Ask me, Dr. Anthony Fauci. To a lot of people, he is. And it, it's very simple. He was next to Donald Trump. You know, people are like, hey, we got, we got Trump and we got Fauci. And to his credit, you know, he was as diplomatic as he could be. But you knew that Anthony Fauci didn't like working under Donald Trump. You know, he even said as much. Yeah, I had to watch what I would say. You know, now I can, I can, I can speak freely uh, now that I'm not working for Donald Trump anymore. Uh, so, so yeah, it, it, things are a lot easier when you're when you're next to Donald Trump because exactly, you know, half the population thinks the guy was uh, was a bozo and he was a moron, and you you just had to by by comparison, you were the the good option. But but now, you know, as we find out more, as we see the inconsistency with the CDC or with what Dr. Fauci has said in the past versus what he is saying now versus what his emails say. I don't know. He's you're, you're kind of seeing uh, that he's, he's kind of let it go to his head. He said, hold on a second. You attack me personally, or if you attack my status as a public servant or a public official, then you're, you're attacking science. If you attack me, you're attacking science. Therefore, any of your criticisms or if you're questioning me, you are anti-science. You are illogical because I am science. science. That's Dr. Fauci's outlook on this whole situation. Listen, science is based in asking questions. Is it not? They say, oh, no, the science is settled. Is science ever settled? Does science ever get settled without science being challenged? Isn't that the whole scientific method is to come up with a hypothesis and run experiments, ask questions. That's I don't I don't think that science A is ever settled. I don't think it's it should ever not be questioned. It should always be tested. Always test it out. Hey, hey Fauci, what would you say about masks versus what you then were kind of forced to say? You said masks. Weren't really the protection that you needed and you go out, it may, it, what was it? It may prevent a droplet or a gross droplet here and there, but it's not the protection. In fact, it can give you a false sense of security. And before you say, well, you know, as more information came in, then, um, uh, then we, uh, we reassess. You know, you're supposed to change. That's science. I was just talking about it. Yeah, but this is a, this is a small virus like any other coronavirus a cold, cold virus. They travel the same way. They're all microscopic. They're all small. They can all get through the porous masks, people wearing socks on their face. I mean, unless you've got like an N95 or a respirator, you're probably going to inhale whatever is in the air. But he came out and said that. And then I guess that didn't go along with the messaging that uh, those in power wanted. So he's like, no, wear a mask, wear a mask, mask up everywhere. Everywhere you go. Outside doesn't matter. Yeah, by yourself outside in a field, wear a mask. It's like, but just, to, just to, you just said the mask isn't going to protect you, and he, he reinforced that in emails. So I mean, you, you can't sit there and just say, "Hey, everything I've said has been right along with." Well, okay, then how do you square the exact uh, diametrically opposed things that you have gone out and, and told people? How do you account for that? So look, there's a way to defend yourself. How about this? Look. I'm a doctor. I'm an expert in infectious disease. Uh, that said, this is a new disease. Uh, we need to be cautious. Uh, as more information comes along, 
I change my prescription and I've done that. If the messaging is confusing, that is the nature of an unprecedented pandemic. And if anybody was confused by what I said, I apologize. But here's what I'm saying now. You can't go, oh, I'm I'm infallible because I'm a scientist that you're getting a little bit of Dr. Frankenstein. You're getting a little bit, bit crazy, a little God mode there, God complex. So uh, that's the late look. And, and I'll give Fauci credit. Even when it was mass protests in the street, he didn't say he didn't endorse protesting. He said, stay away from crowds where you can. He he wanted to stay away from making any kind of value judgment on social justice protests. He could have come out a little bit more forcefully and said, look, it's it's absurd to think that people protesting in the name of social justice uh, have uh, are, are at less risk. But that was the whole deal. People would go, oh, well, there haven't been any outbreaks uh, that, that were that were connected to those protests. All, all the outbreaks were uh, because people were out having fun at Lake Tahoe or people had uh, outbreaks because they went over to their family's house for Thanksgiving. That's where the outbreaks happened. They couldn't have happened in these mass protests. Yeah. You, you wonder, maybe that deadly second wave wouldn't have happened if so many people weren't out spitting and yelling in each other's faces all summer long. Or maybe we could have stamped this out a little sooner. Maybe if uh, Dr. Fauci had the courage to actually come out and say, hey, these protests are ridiculous. You shouldn't be doing this. Instead of keeping it, oh, nope, everybody should just... Uh, uh, stay out of crowds and then assess your own risk level. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm all, all four people doing what they want, but good God, that was egregious, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. People shoulder to shoulder screaming, spitting. And I'm supposed to believe that that didn't lead to any COVID outbreaks. I, I'm that, that's that's unscientific. Science! Follow the science. Follow it there. All right. C- coming up, I've uh. I've asked Ari Castle to do some research. Uh, Joe Biden will be visiting the Queen of England. Uh, hopefully it won't get too awkward when uh, Joe Biden asks, hey, how's your new grandson? I'm sorry, granddaughter by uh, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. And then the Queen of England will say something like, oh, how's your grandson? Your illegitimate one in Arkansas. That would be, that would be great, wouldn't it? That'd be fantastic. I want to know. How many people that baby would have to murder? How many family members would that baby have to mow down in order to become the Queen of England? Ari Castle has the answer, and we'll do that and finish things up with Nation of Jake on Tony Katz Today.